Today on Emerging Daily. The Word cannot produce apart from the Spirit. Otherwise, all you've got is law, and law produces death. God is not limited by time, and God doesn't move according to a timeline. The fullness of time is when we line up with God's will. I would say the phrase that would best summarize Paul's writings and Paul's ministry, Christ in you, the hope of glory, because you'll find it everywhere you look in all of his writings. They had a limited understanding of God. And so we have God showing them in the, in the tabernacle and then in the temple. And then, of course, with the tabernacle of David. All of that was to point to something. What was that something? The true temple. What is the true temple? It's you. It's me. Every person that you look at in this world, there's a seed in them that's God. Whether we agree with it or not, it's true. Because God made us God. Who does God think about all the time? Who is the center of His attention? You and me. But not just you and me. These people out here that don't know anything about Him. When Jesus came and ministered, He ministered to that that was in them that they didn't know was there. Minister to that that's in them that's God. That's the seed of God. So when you go and you encounter people, remember and keep in mind, there's a seed of God right there just waiting for me to breathe on. Just waiting for me to speak by the Spirit of God. Life, and it will come. This is Emerging Daily with Charlton Scott Fisher. Scott is the founder and leader of Emerge Nashville, a spiritual refuge that's an evolving ministry expressing radical grace every day. Emerge is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your tax-deductible gift and to learn more about Emerge, visit EmergeNashville.org or email EmergeNashville at gmail.com. We hope this program will help you to emerge as pure gold and to steer you to put love into action. Do you like to shop online for either yourself or for gifts for others? Do you like the convenience of shopping online, but also like to help support local shops and retailers? What if you could do both? Check out BellsGiftsAndMore.com. Bell's Gifts and More is locally owned and operated, based just outside of Nashville in Lebanon, Tennessee. They have men's and women's clothing fashions and accessories, wallets, handbags, watches, jewelry, books, media, home and office items, electronics, and more, all at great prices. And they add new items to their inventory almost every day. So go to bellsgiftsandmore.com and use promo code EMERGE when you check out to get an additional 10% off your purchase, excluding sellout. That's bellsgiftsandmore.com. I want to welcome you once again to the Emerging Daily Podcast. I'm Scott Fisher. On today's edition, we are listening to a message that I gave several years ago at a church in Lebanon, Tennessee that I was pastoring at the time called the Ark of Lebanon. Uh, this is actually from our midweek Bible study. The church was a charismatic 
full gospel, non-denominational type church. Uh, and so you'll see that some of some of the ways I was teaching, I was doing so in a way to be able to make it to where everybody could receive the message. And, and even some of my some of my beliefs have even changed over the years and evolved uh, as I've grown spiritually grown closer to the Lord, grown in my understanding. Our beliefs need to be somewhat flexible. We don't need to allow someone else to change our beliefs, but we do need to make our beliefs subject to our understanding. And, and ignorance is not a virtue. We need to grow in our knowledge, grow in understanding, and grow in wisdom in the Lord. And so you'll see that some things um, are a little different then than now as far as the way I teach and what I teach. But the gist of this message, I believe, will bless you and will hold t- true irregardless of beliefs and doctrines, it will hold true, and I believe you'll be blessed by it. I want to start in Genesis. We're talking about the revelation of Christ in the church. And before we understand Christ in the church, we have to understand some things about the world in general, some things about people, some things about the people that you encounter every day of your life. In Genesis 1, we'll read the first two verses. It says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, what does water represent? Well, the water is a symbol of the Word of God. If you'll remember in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, it says that we've been washed with the water of the Word. John 15, 3 Jesus said, you are made clean by the word that I have spoken unto you. James chapter 3 talks about sweet water and bitter water coming from the same fountain, referring to our mouths, talking about word. Of course, John chapter 7 verse 38 talks about rivers of living water coming forth. And what is that? It's the word of God coming up in you and through you. Hebrews 10 and verse 22 talks about water. And it says, let us draw near, talking about coming unto the Father. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Well, what's the water? It's the Word. The Word cleans us. So if the water can represent the Word, and also what is the Word symbolized by? A seed. A seed. Now, you can look up water, and there's a lot of different meanings in the Hebrew of what it can mean. But if you can understand, when the Spirit of God moved on the water, He was moving on the seed. The seed was there, okay? The Word was there. Now, I don't want to lose you. The Word was there. If you remember, and we're going to turn there in a minute, but in John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And there was nothing created except by the Word. So the Word was there, but the Spirit of God moved on the Word. And then what happened? Light came forth. Now, I don't want to get real gross or anything, but one of the meanings, if you look it up in Hebrew, for water is semen. If you can understand when a man and a woman come together to form a child, you can't just a man can't do it by himself. A woman can't do it by herself, okay? The word cannot produce apart from the spirit. Otherwise all you've got is law and law produces death. It doesn't produce any life. The word cannot produce except by the spirit. Now, in the beginning was the word. If you look let's look at John chapter 1, the gospel of John chapter 1. In the beginning Verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. Now this is not talking about the physical man, Jesus. This is talking about Christ, the Spirit 
the Son of God before He became a man. This is not talking about some man sitting off in heaven doing something, okay? This is the Spirit. This is God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This ain't a physical person, okay? This is a spiritual thing. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. Now this is before Jesus Christ in the flesh, before Jesus the person, the man, the human being, was ever on the scene. This is back in the beginning, okay? Keep that in mind. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. Now there was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came for a witness, verse 7 says, to bear witness of that light that all men through him might believe. Now John was not that light, it says in verse 8, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. Now, what is that light? Now, in a minute, we're going to see that light manifest. But that light existed before there was ever a physical being called Jesus. If you remember, Proverbs and Psalms refers to the spirit of man as the candle of the Lord, the light that's deep within, that darkness cannot comprehend. And where are we? Before we understand the things of God, we're sitting in darkness. We don't understand the light. Now, I'm getting some, I'm going somewhere, so, so follow me, okay? Verse 9. That light was the true light, now listen to this, that lights every man, every single man and woman that comes into the world. That light lights them. Now, look at verse 4 again. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, look again at verse 9. It lights every man. So every man that has life has light. Because life and light are synonymous, is what he's saying here. If you've if you got light, you can't have life without light. You can't have light without light. The two are one. He was in the world. Now, this is again before he even came in the flesh. He ain't even mentioned Jesus coming in the flesh yet. This is not talking about a man stepping around with robes on with a beard walking around preaching and teaching. This ain't talking about that. This is talking about a spiritual thing. He was in the world. The world was made by Him, but the world didn't know Him. Now, He came to His own. Still, He hasn't said He came in the flesh yet. Now, if you're listening to this with, uh, without an open mind and an open heart, if you're not coming as a child you won't receive what I'm having for you. But if you'll come as a child and you'll see where I'm going here, a lot of things will open up to you. He was in the world. The world was made by Him, but the world didn't know Him. He came to His own, and His own didn't receive Him. But as many as received Him, to them gave He the power. Now that word power means right or privilege. To become the sons of God. Not just son. Sons, plural, okay? Even to them that believe on His name. Now, that word name does not mean a literal name. If you look it up, it's talking about a nature, okay? The name Jesus hadn't been anything special up till now. There were plenty of people called Jesus at this time in, in history. The name Jesus was the term Yeshua, and it wasn't anything special other than the fact that the guy that brought Him into the Promised Land was named that. But it was a, a, it was a very common name. So he's not talking about a physical name, like my name is Scott. He's not talking about that. He's talking about the nature. When God, when people had names in the Old Testament, Old Covenant times, their names represented a nature. Now they could overcome that nature if they were given a bad name because sometimes a father would know by the Spirit of God what this child was going to be, how he was going to act. And he could overcome that just like Jacob. His name was changed from a hill grabber to the Prince of God. So your nature can be changed. But your name represents nature. Nature. When you look at that word right there, think nature. 
to them that believe on His nature, to them that press on in, to them that will receive His nature. Now, let's read that verse again. As many, verse 12, As many as received Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in or on His nature, which were born. Who was born? These people that would believe. They were not born of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of the will of God. They were born of God. Now we come to this first person who manifested this Word. The man who was prophesied that He would come and deliver His people. The man, the physical being, Jesus. Now we come where He's on the scene. Let's listen to verse 14. The Word was made flesh, hallelujah, and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, because He was the only one who had ever received the Word. He was the one who had become a Son of God because he, he was that nature manifested in the flesh. God spoke Him into existence just as much as He spoke you into existence, just as much as He spoke me into existence. Jesus was prophesied that He would come. The Word says He came in the fullness of time. Well, when is the fullness of time? The fullness of time is whenever... See, God is not limited by time, and God doesn't move according to a timeline. Okay? God don't have a clock in heaven that says, okay, at 12 o'clock we're going to do this on earth right now. It's 1 o'clock, okay, now this is supposed to happen. No, the fullness of time is when we line up with God's will. Now, there could have, Jesus could have come on the scene plenty of years before He did, but the people weren't ready. There had to be a woman who would be willing to allow the Spirit of God to move in her life to bring forth Jesus. Okay, Somebody had to be a willing vessel. Somebody had to be in such a state of their own life that God could use them, a clean vessel. There had to be a man who was willing to raise this child knowing that it wasn't his and wondering how he was going to be who he was supposed to be and how could he take care and, and, and raise this child the way he should be raised. Just think of how inadequate you feel as a parent raising a child. How can I make this child be like God wants him to be or her to be? How can I do it? You can't, but you've got to be willing to allow God to use you. Well, just think how much inadequate Joseph felt raising the Son of God. Who else would have been willing to raise up this child? Just think of how inadequate. Just think of the fact that he's having to care for this child and raise this child as the Son of God. I mean, just, that baffles my mind just to think how inadequate he must have felt trying to raise his child. So there had to be two people who were willing to even step foot into this plan that God had. I believe in, in predestination, but I believe in predestination based on man's decision. And how, that, how you agree with that is up to you. But when God saw me, my decisions play a major role in what God has planned for me to do in my life, with my life. And I will say this, God could have used any two people who would have been willing to be used by God in this situation. But by predestination, God foresaw and foreknew that Joseph and Mary were the two that would do it. Okay? From the foundation of the world, He saw into time, saw the decisions, saw the way they would react, the way they would respond. If you remember, turn over in Genesis right quick. Genesis chapter 19, excuse me, 18, I'm sorry. Genesis chapter 18, verse 16. Genesis 18, verse 16. Now, these men, is how the Bible refers to them, have appeared to Abraham. And they've just got through mentioning again the fact that they are going to have a child. Sarah laughs, and they confront her about it, and she denies it. 
But now listen to verse 16. The men arose up from thence and looked toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. Now listen to verse 17. Shall I hide, the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great nation, a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For listen to 19. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Okay? So see, God knew what Abraham... God knew that Abraham would raise Isaac the way he was to be raised, even before he had him. So God had already decided and predetermined based on the fact that he knew Abraham, knew how he would do, knew that he would raise him upright. He knew how Abraham would, would react to the plan of God. And so based on that decision of Abraham, God planned to use Abraham to bring forth Jesus, is really who he's wanting to bring forth. But really, the purpose in it was greater than bringing forth Jesus. The purpose in it was to bring forth the church. Because Jesus was given as a sign, the Bible says. What does a sign do? A sign is not the fullness of what it is. A sign is to point to something else. What did Jesus point to? He pointed to us. But I'm stepping ahead of myself. Let's go back to John. I just wanted to show you that God knew Mary and Joseph before the foundation of the world. He knew them, that they would bring forth Jesus in the manner in which He should be raised. He knew that they would do that. So the fullness of time was based on their decisions and their agreeing with the Word, agreeing with God, agreeing with the angel that came and said, you're going to have a child and it's going to be by the Holy Ghost. And What did... Mary say, Be it unto me according to your word. So she agreed with the word. Now, I want to get back to this. These, Jesus was not born of the will of man or the will of the flesh. He was born of God. But now every person... Let's look up back up here at verse 9. The true light lights every man that comes into the world. Jesus was crucified before the foundation of the world. He was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So you can look back at the beginning of everything. And you can see a lamb slain. You can see Jesus crucified. Now, I want to to share something with you that may move you to to do a little study. And if it does, I hope so. But it, it, it may sort of knock over one of your sacred cows. But turn over in Revelation chapter 3. Well, time's getting by quick. Hey, I hope you're being blessed by our podcast today. We wanted to pause for just a second and remind you to please, when you get a chance, check out our website, EmergeNashville.org, or you can also go to EmergingDaily.com, whichever one is easier for you to remember. Uh, but please check those out and read up on uh, our, our vision, our mission, um, and how we're wanting to make an impact on our region and on the world. Um, pray about possibly being involved with what we're wanting to do. Um, We're wanting to pretty soon start within the next few weeks, hopefully, start having some uh, worship and teaching times. We'd like to do that in Lebanon and in Nashville. We're still looking for some worship leaders and musicians. So pray about all that and also pray about supporting this podcast, if you would. And thank you again for listening. And we'll get back to our message here in just a second. If you like good old country cooking, then you're going to love Bale's Little Country Kitchen, located at 210 West High Street in Lebanon, right in the heart of Middle Tennessee. Bale's Little Country Kitchen is family-owned and operated, and is Lebanon's new favorite place for great country cooking. 
They have a terrific breakfast and lunch menu, as well as awesome specials throughout the week, like the Friday night, all you care to eat catfish dinner and fixings, and their Saturday morning breakfast bar. And now, they've teamed up with We Deliver to bring their super southern food right to your home or office. You can find out more by going to their website, bellslebanon.com, where you can see their menu and specials, and even order delivery. That's bellslebanon.com. Located at 210 West High Street in Lebanon. You're going to love Bell's Little Country Kitchen, Lebanon's new favorite place for great country cooking. Now, I want, to share, I want to share something with you that may move you to, to do a little study, and if it does, I hope so. But it, it, it may sort of knock over one of your sacred cows. But turn over in Revelation chapter 3. Well, time's getting by quick. Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. He that overcomes, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And listen to this. I will not blight his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. But what does it say? I will not blot out his name. Now, I submit to you, every person who has ever been born and ever will be born, their name is written on that book of life. Every name of everybody that has been or will be is written on that book of life. So, I'm heading somewhere with this. Every man... Uh, if you look in Exodus, Moses was was crying out to God and said, "God, if you if you'll forgive these people, if you have to blot my name out of your book, do it. But I want these people forgiven." He was interceding for him, and he went so far as to say, "God, if it takes blotting my name out, forgive these people." So everybody's name is on that book. Now, what does that say? Well, we're going somewhere. Turn, if you will, over to the Acts. And we're going a little bit longer into teaching than what we usually do, but it's necessary because I want to lay a firm foundation for some things we're going to talk about in the preceding weeks. Acts chapter 17. And the foundation may not even be laid tonight completely. We may have to lay some more next week. Paul, the apostle, the man that wrote the biggest part of the New Testament, if, you'll, if you could find a phrase that would summarize all of his teaching, every bit of his writing, what would it be? I would say the phrase that would best summarize Paul's writings and Paul's ministry is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Because you'll find it everywhere you look in all of his writings. He's trying to get us to know that he dwells in us and to allow him to work through us. Now, with that in mind, we'll talk here about Acts chapter 17, what's going on. Well, Paul is coming to Athens. Now, Athens in Greek in Greece was a place where all the different philosophies came together and that was sort of like a churning pot for all the philosophies of man. All the religions of man would come there. And they would talk... Uh, well, let's just start reading. Verse 16 of chapter 17 of Acts. It says, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, the people that he had been ministering with, Timothy and Silas and some others, it says, His spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of Epicureans and of the Stoics 
encountered him, and some said, What will this babbler say? And others, some, He seems to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. So these different philosophers of this sect and some of this sect, they, would, they were saying, Well, let's listen to what this man has to say because they, they all came there to hear some new teaching. And they took him and they brought him to Areopagus, also known as Mars Hill, we'll see in a minute, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is. What are you talking about, man? Verse 20. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears, and we would know, therefore, what these things mean. Now listen to verse 21. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Okay? So they were wanting to know anything else new that they could know. Now, verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, You men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you're too superstitious. For I passed by and I beheld your devotions or, or your idols or the, your altars. And I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly, ignorantly worship. Him I declare to you, God that made the world and all the things therein, seeing that He is Lord of heaven and of earth, dwells not in temples made with hands. Neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needs anything, seeing he gives to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed in the bounds of their habitation, that they, all men, should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For listen to this. For in Him we live and move and have our being. Now listen. As certain also of your own poets have said, we are His offspring. And does Paul deny this? No. He agrees with it. For as much then, or since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is likened to silver or gold or stone or any graven by art of man's device. In the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Now, what does repent mean? Change your way of thinking. Change your way of thinking. Because He has appointed a day in which He will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom He has ordained, whereof He hath given assurance unto all men, and that He hath raised Him from the dead. Talking about Jesus the man. Now, let's look back up at verse 29. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, Paul is in agreement fully with this verse, with this saying. We are the offspring of God. Now, who is he talking to? He's talking to a bunch of heathen. He's talking to people that don't know Yahweh, that don't know Jehovah, that do not know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They don't know Him. They have an altar built to some unknown God, and Paul is saying, this is that God. But they don't know that's God. But he's saying, we are using we. He's not talking to a bunch of Christians. He's talking to people that worship idols. He's talking to people that don't even know who Jesus is. We are the offspring of God. See, when Paul ministered to people, he didn't run up to them and say, Listen, you sinner. And Paul didn't go up to somebody and say, You heathen. Paul ministered to them by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God will minister to somebody based on the fact that they're His children. And God don't like nobody beating His children over the head. The book, the whole of the Old Covenant, the whole of the, of 
the Old Testament is a building up to a true understanding of God. If all you have is the Old Testament, you don't have a true understanding of God. Jesus came to show us the Father. Okay? And so you have to, to, to build, you have to use the New Testament to understand the Old. Because if all you do is try to understand the new by the old, you'll be into some false doctrine. You'll have a God that's looking out to try to zap somebody with a lightning bolt trying to kill them because they screwed up. And that's not God. That is not God. And so they had a limited understanding of God. And so we have God showing them in the, in the tabernacle and then in the temple. And then, of course, with the tabernacle of David, all of that was to point to something. What was that something? The true temple. What is the true temple? It's you. It's me. Where does He dwell? He dwelt in the Holy of Holies. Well, where is that? It's your spirit. Well, I would say this. We are the offspring of God. Everybody. How was Adam made? God breathed into him the breath of life. That word breath is spirit. Okay? And he became a living soul. So we have the three parts of man, spirit, soul, and body. Now, when you have a seed, the seed of a plant is dead. It has no life to the eye. It's completely dead. What makes the seed grow? Water. A seed will not grow without water. Moisture of some sort whether it be moisture in the air or, or, or actual water. A seed will not grow without moisture. I submit to you, and we'll, base, we'll build on this in the coming weeks, every person that you look at in this world, there's a seed in them that's God. Well, Jesus Himself said, speaking to the scribes and Pharisees, doesn't even the Old Testament say you are God's? So Jesus Himself agreed with that statement. Now, whether we agree with it or not, it's true. Because God made us gods. What does the Word say? Jesus was King of kings, Lord of lords. Okay? So the New Age movement hasn't hit on some new teaching. It's the fact that the church has left this teaching and abandoned it. Now, when you encounter somebody, how did Jesus minister to somebody? He ministered to them by getting down on His knees. This is people that have not ever been born again in the sense that we know it. They haven't been... They haven't been brought to life by the Spirit. He got down on his knees. God in the flesh, the Word made flesh, got down on his knees and washed their feet, putting them in a higher place than he was. Who does God worship? If you don't understand what worship is, worship is sacrifice. The first place the word worship is ever used is when Abraham is going to take Isaac up on the mount. And he says, we're going to worship. First time you'll find it in the Bible. And what is he talking about? Sacrifice. So in the fullness of what worship is, who does God worship? He worships us. And that sounds like a wild thing. But if you understand the trueness of what worship is, worship is sacrifice. Who does God lift His hands to? You and me. Who does God sing about? And the Word says He does. He sings about you and He sings about me. Who does God think about all the time? Who is the center of His attention? You and me. But not just you and me. These people out here that don't know anything about Him. When Jesus came and ministered, 
He ministered to that that was in them that they didn't know was there. There was a... And I'll begin closing with this. There was a there was an old... I don't know if you want to call it a myth or, or a story. We'll just say story. Of these spirits talking. Where are we going to hide the divinity of man? One of them said, well, let's hide it up in the air. And I said, no, they'll end up going into outer space. Checking that out. Well, we'll put it down in the ocean. No, they'll end up searching there and trying to find out everything that's in the ocean. Well, we'll put it in the earth. No, they'll cover the earth and they'll find everything there. One of them said, hey, let's put it in right inside of them. In the center of their being. And they said, oh, yeah, that's the best place because they won't ever think about looking there. Every one of us, and again, if you think this is new age, I'm telling you, Jesus came declaring we are in a new age. There is a divinity of every one of us because we are the offspring of God. And if you'll minister to somebody out here on the street or at work or wherever with that in mind, ministering to that seed in them that is God, that's of God, by the Spirit of God, you'll see that seed bring forth life. But if you go and you try to tear them down instead of building them up as Jesus did, you won't ever find anything. And that's the reason you can manipulate people and you can try to scare them into coming into church and you can try to scare them into, into going to heaven, but it won't last. I'm telling you, it won't. I've seen too many people leave church because they had gotten afraid. Somebody just tried to scare them in to the kingdom, and it don't last. Jesus didn't do that. It's by the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. You minister to that that's in them that's God. That's the seed of God. That He's placed there, waiting for somebody to breathe on it. That is Jesus, look over, and we'll close. we will close with this. John chapter 20. Verse 19, this is after Jesus rose from the dead. The same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said to them, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. He breathed. The Spirit of God moved on that seed and they were born again. They were born from above. Life was brought forth and they were changed. So when you go and you encounter people, remember and keep in mind, there's a seed of God right there just waiting for me to breathe on. Just waiting for me to speak by the Spirit of God, light, and it will come. Thanks for listening today, and we hope you were stirred to put love into action. Feel free to send your questions or comments to EmergeNashville at gmail.com And please consider donating on our website, EmergeNashville.org. Or write to Emerge, P.O. Box 3242, 
Lebanon, Tennessee, 37088.